For when he hath put all things under his feet, and when he said all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject to him that put all things under him, that God may be all and in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are, then, are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat, let us drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hears my word and believes him that sent me has eternal life and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed out of death into life. John chapter 5, verse 24. Dr. Mitchell continues our study today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 27, looking at the effect of resurrection. Now here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. We can come to you and we rejoice again in the privilege of coming to you with the precious Word of God. How wonderful to know that the Lord has not left us to our own ingenuity, to our own devisings, but God has revealed Himself by His Spirit through His Word. And as we come into this 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, we are ever amazed at the revelation which God gives to us. In fact, there are things in this chapter that man would never, never know if God hadn't revealed it. All the philosophers of the world down through the ages have never been able to penetrate what happens after death. They've had ideas way back in the Grecian philosophers. They had ideas about what happens after death, but nothing sure. But God has revealed them to us by His, by His Spirit through His Word. When we come to the 15th chapter of this amazing chapter of Corinthians, I just pray the Lord make it very precious and very real to you. And be able to say with the Apostle Peter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy 
hath begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then verse 21 of the same chapter, who by him do believe in God, who raised him from the dead, that your faith and your hope might be in God. And you read the whole book of Acts through, you'll notice that approximately 30 times we read of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This was the great, all-absorbing theme of the early church, that this Jesus who man put on a cross and crucified, cast out, God raised from the dead, the very body which was nailed to the cross, the body that was put in the tomb, was the same one that was raised from the dead, incorruptible. And so when you come to the 15th chapter of this book of Corinthians, we've had the, the gospel guaranteed by the resurrection of Christ. We had that in the first 11 verses. And of how the gospel, as Paul says, the gospel which we declared unto you, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised again the third day according to the Scriptures. Marvelous thing. I'm tempted to go back over it again. The wonderful, wonderful thing that God, raising his Son from the dead, gives a guarantee to everyone down through the centuries that this Jesus who men crucified was his Son. As you read in Romans chapter 1, the fourth verse, he was marked out from everybody else by the resurrection from the dead. Marvelous thing. And may I say again, the Bible, when it speaks of resurrection, is always dealing with the resurrection of the body. Spirit doesn't die. The body that dies, it's the body that was buried. It was the body that was raised again from the dead. Now that raised an issue. There were those in Corinth who wouldn't believe in the didn't believe in the physical resurrection of Christ. In verse 12, how say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead? Possibly they had been affected by the philosophy of the day. And then starting at verse 12, running down through verse 26, we had the fact of resurrection, the necessity of it. In the verses 12 to 19, we had negatively, if Christ be not raised from the dead, you haven't anything. Let this be very clear in your mind. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't mean a thing if he be not raised from the dead. As Paul wrote here, if there's no resurrection, then Christ is not raised. If Christ is not raised, our preaching is no good. Your faith is no good. You're still dead in trespasses and sins, and so on. And then in starting at verse 20, to 26, we have the positive side of it. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. As in Adam all die. How many die in Adam? Everyone. Everyone in the human race. The moment you are born into this world, you're born with a seed of death in you. Why? Because you're born in Adam's race. As in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I must stop here for a second. Now, I'm repeating some of these things. I want them to know you, the facts as they are. There are some people who say, well, all in Adam die. Hence, all in Christ will be made alive. So they teach a universal salvation, which the Bible was, will not allow, as we shall see in the next few verses. In Christ, 
Adam brought death and destruction. The last Adam brought eternal life and eternal glory. You notice it's the first Adam and the last Adam. The Lord, there'll never be another Adam. There are two, two races. Adam brought in a race into being under the sentence of death, under the bondage of sin. Our Savior came and brought a new race. And each one in that new race has life, everlasting life, satisfying life, resurrection life. It's what Jesus talks about in John chapter 6. That the life he gives is satisfying life. It's resurrection life. It's eternal life. It's indwelling life. That's why in the first chapter of John, we read, the world was made by him. The world knew him not. The world didn't know its creator. He came to the Jewish people and they didn't recognize him either. But to as many as received him, to them he gives the right, the authority to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who are born of God. Friend, it may be I'm talking to you today. You're dead in trespasses and sins. You've never accepted the Savior. You're still in Adam's race under the sentence not only of a physical death, but an eternal death. How wonderful to know that God has made the provision whereby men and women, just like you and me, can be transformed into the children of God, into a new life that is satisfying, a new life over which death doesn't even cast its shadow. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And then we were taking up the, the, the fact that Christ was the first fruits. Every man in his own order is at order. God is a God of order. Every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. That's the church. That's the believer. And after that, what then? Then comes the end, which will be judgment. And when that's all over, then he will deliver everything over to God. Even the Father when he shall have put down all rule, all authority, all power. The time is coming when the whole universe will be under the authority of our Savior. He's going to put down all opposition, all sin. And it says here, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Did you know there was a time coming when there'll be no more death? There'll be no more death. Did you hear that? You know, I, I can't imagine people having heard of our wonderful Savior who came to put away sin. And you remember the wages of sin is death. And you must receive your wages. You can't go on strike. You can't quit the job. The wages of sin is death. God executes the penalty. How are you going to get away from it? That's why Jesus came and bore your sin and my sin. He perfectly satisfied the righteous character of God for you and me. God raised him from the dead, guaranteeing that work which he accomplished for us. You know, it's an amazing thing. The time is coming. There'll be no more death. 
But when will that be? At the end, when God has fulfilled his purpose for the human race. As in Adam all die, God's going to bring in a new race in his son, Christ Jesus. And when he's accomplished that, he's going to reign over the nations of the earth. For a whole thousand years, this world is going to enjoy a reign of righteousness when the Son of God, the righteous one, should reign from one end of the earth to the other. He's going to put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must strangely have put all enemies under his feet. Even the devil and the false prophet and every unbeliever will be cast out of the presence of God. And as the 49th Psalm says, they shall never see light, banished from the presence of God. And then the Lord Jesus turns everything over to his Father, having abolished death, defeated death on the grave. We're going to have a time when righteousness shall dwell. Which tempts me to say this, you know, today, death reigns today because of sin. In the kingdom of our Savior, when he reigns for a thousand years, when the nations of the earth will be under his banner, righteousness shall reign. And then when you come to the new heavens and the new earth, when the Son of God has turned everything over to his Father, that God may be all in all, purpose of God completed, we read that righteousness dwells. You read of that, you remember, in the third chapter of Second Peter. The day of God when righteousness shall dwell. Now we come down to the next one from verse 27 to 34. And here we have the effect of the resurrection. Now we had the, the gospel guaranteed by resurrection, the first 11 verses. Then we had the fact of the resurrection, but now is Christ raised from the dead. The necessity of the resurrection of Christ from the dead, verses 12 to 26. Now we have the effect of the resurrection, 27 to 34. And here you have the purpose of God in redemption. Let me read it. For when he hath put all things under his feet, and when he said all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued under him, then shall the Son also himself be subject to him that put all things unto him, that God may be all and in all. In other words, the purpose of God, as I have mentioned, will be completed. The purpose of the human race and the bringing in of a new race, redeemed by the blood of Christ, going on through eternity. And when that purpose is completed, the Father, the God, that God shall be all in all. Then he raises up an amazing statement. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are, then, are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat, let us drink, for tomorrow we, dry, we die. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now, I've read that passage through because it's an amazing thing. 
What about these who are baptized for the dead? I know there are those who believe, and I don't agree with them at all, that you can be baptized for somebody who's already dead, somebody who didn't accept the Savior. So you baptize, you're, you're baptized for them in order for them to be saved. You find nothing of this in Scripture. What's he dealing with? He's been dealing with resurrection. He's given to us the guarantee of resurrection. Now, what is the purpose of God in resurrection? We are to carry on the testimony of those who have gone. Now, let me give you the background of that. Notice what Paul is saying. Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what's the profit of that? If there's no resurrection, let us eat, let us drink, let's be merry. Tomorrow we die. Death is the end of it. Let's get all we can out of life. The Epicurean philosophy. You see, friend, in those days, Paul's day, for you to be baptized as a Christian, the possibility would be martyrdom. And if there's no resurrection, the folly of being baptized in the name of one who is dead. So when a Christian who believes in a risen Savior and publicly announces his union to that risen Savior. It meant martyrdom. The testimony with that person was ceased. But Paul says, no longs and come others who accept the Savior and are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They pick up right on down through the centuries. We pick up the testimony of a risen Christ right down to the present time. One generation goes on, another one comes on, someone takes the place of those who have gone. Their testimony for a risen Christ. And this is what you manifest by baptism. You're baptized in our union with the Savior, showing forth to the world that Christ is our Savior, that he died on a cross to put away our sins, that he was buried and he was raised again the third day according to the Scriptures. You go right back to the beginning of the chapter. Remember, the whole theme here is the resurrection of Christ, which guarantees that we'll never again say our saints, which guarantees eternal life, which guarantees our union with him, which guarantees eternal glory. As our Lord could say in John 14, 19, because I live, you shall live also. And when this present generation moves on, if our Lord tarries, there'll be those who will step up, will be saved, Carry on the testimony. And in Paul's day, when a person was baptized, it meant the union with the one whom the world hated, whom the world crucified. And for most of them, it meant martyrdom. Listen to what he says. Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. By the way, that's the only time Paul ever said, I die daily. Uh, allow me to just digress for a second. There are those who believe that we're, we must die daily to sin. Now, you don't find that in Scripture. In Romans chapter 6, in Colossians chapter 3, and other portions of Scripture, we find we have died once to sin. As you have in Romans 6, in that Jesus died once, he died unto sin once, in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, count yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, and alive unto God, like you have in 2 Corinthians 5, 
14 and 15. The love of Christ overmasters me because we thus judge. If one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. But what Paul here says, I die daily, mark the connection. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what's the advantage of it? If the dead rise not, let's eat, drink, be married tomorrow, we die. And I believe that the Apostle Paul really fought with beasts at Ephesus. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he could say in that last chapter which he wrote, uh, the Lord delivered me from the mouth of the lion. Now, I'm not going to say that these were uh, brutal men. Use the word lion. Now, if you see, if I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, is he talking about those on the day? Was it in the book of Acts chapter 19? When they shout, great is Diana of the Ephesians, that great stir there in that city. Now, I think the apostle Paul must have faced up the question of martyrdom and the Lord delivered him. But the folly of it all, if Christ be not raised from the dead. You see what he's after. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what's the advantage? Let's eat, let's drink. Tomorrow we die, that's the end of it. Like a lot of folk today, I'm going to get all I can out of life. Because what? When I die, I die, and that's the end of me. Oh, no, oh, no. As one man said to me, Mitchell, when I'm dead, I'm dead. Well, I said, you know, I've got something to tell you. One of these days, you're going to be raised from the dead. And I'm going to tell you who's going to do it. At the voice of the Son of God, the unsaved are going to be raised for judgment, whether you like it or whether you don't like it. For the believer, we're going to see that when we get on to verse 51 of this chapter. What I'm trying to get to your hearts is this. I want you to get right down into your hearts and minds. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee of everything we have in him. And Paul is saying for me to take a stand for the Savior in jeopardy of my life of being a martyr every day. I live in daily anticipation, expectation of being killed for Jesus' sake. The folly of it all if Christ be not raised from the dead, if there's no resurrection. My friend, is one thing very, very sure. The very fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead is not only the guarantee of salvation to the believer, but it's the guarantee of judgment to the unbeliever. Allow me to quote from the book of Acts in chapter 17, about verse 30, where the apostle Paul said, Speaking of the resurrection of Christ, God has set apart a day. He's appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men. Given assurance unto all men. What? Assurance of what? Assurance of judgment. By what? In that he raised him from the dead. That's why I make the statement, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee of salvation to those who believe. It's a guarantee of judgment to those who don't believe. I'll finish the, uh, the rest of that passage in our next lesson, but I want to get this thing very clear in your mind what Paul is talking about. The whole theme 
is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of life to those who are in him, the resurrection unto judgment of those who don't believe him. I would, I would like to urge upon anyone who's listening to my voice today, my friend, God sent his son into the world, into the human race, for the distinct purpose of making it possible for you and me to be cleansed and forgiven every sin, to deliver us from death and the grave, and to guarantee eternal glory to those who will put their trust in him. And again, may I give you that wonderful verse, to as many as received him, to them he gives the right, the authority, to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. And may God grant you'll do that today for his wonderful name's sake. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at town.